are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. In my 30th year, in the fourth month on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was on him. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. He said, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, and whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked and saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll, which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Thank you, Sherry, for reading for us this morning. All right, well, it was a cold week this last week, parts of it anyway. It has felt a bit like a roller coaster. My favorite things about January is that we have such cold weather to begin with. I know that some of you will disagree. And yet, I have lived in a few places where I have just come to cherish the weather that we have here. For a few years, Esther and I lived in a place where it was warm and sunny almost every single day. And I can tell you, it gets boring when you wake up and again, it's blue skies and 75 degrees. I've also lived in a place where they have one of those winters that is cold and wet, but not cold enough to snow. So it is cold and rainy or sleet and 40 degrees. And that is not very much fun either. So I love the fact that we live in a place where we do have this variety that also makes us appreciate the summer a little bit more. The cold also reminds me of the awesome power of God's creation. You know, when you walk outside and you can feel that cold air just all the way back in your sinuses, Our door to the garage froze shut. The doorknob froze shut this week. And where can you live where that happens? (laughs) 
That's my positive spin on it, but I enjoy it. The other thing I like about January is this is a time of year then when we set into a new year of studying Scripture together here at the Y Church. Uh, It's something I think about and anticipate and plan, and I have to tell you that this year was not an easy task to do that. And I'll tell you why. Each year we make sure we stop in three different parts of the Bible that were in the Gospels, walking with Jesus, in the New Testament letters, and then some time in the Old Testament. And so after this fall where we finished the book of Romans, a New Testament letter, and thinking back to all of last summer, or actually four months that we were in the Gospel of Mark, I felt like we're due for something in the Old Testament. So I started to think about where we have not been yet in the dozen or so years that we've been studying the Word together here. And that list now is getting pretty short. We have been to most places in the Word. But there was one of the major prophets who I had on my list where we had not gone yet. We've studied Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel. We had not yet been to Ezekiel. And I'm going to tell you this morning there's probably a reason for that. This is a big book. It's not very well known. And you might describe it as hard to understand. It's probably not very well known because that can be our impression, that it's not easy to understand. And so it's not naturally a place that we go in our Bibles just as you pick it up and might look for something to read unless you're in a Bible reading plan and it's a sign. And so I was thinking about these things like before committing us to Ezekiel and realizing that I was approaching this book of the Bible in that kind of way, kind of begrudgingly, kind of putting it off. And yet, once I decided that we should do it and go for it, and started to read again, it has been so good and so timely. And I can't wait to explore it with you over the next eight weeks. Our series is titled, God Will Strengthen. And for eight weeks, that is what we're going to do, is immerse ourselves in the principles of how God strengthens us in the book of Ezekiel. Now, we're not going to touch every chapter, not even close. There's 48 So we would be here most of the year. But we're going to see a good representative portion of this book. And I think you're going to be surprised. This opening week, I want to take you into an introduction of Ezekiel. Tell you about who he was, if you're just getting to know him. What was going on in the world at that time. And how this all connects to our world in 2022. And I want you to be thinking this morning about how you're starting this new year. Many people would probably agree that the past couple of years have been a little bit draining. And that's not even considering, personally, any kind of situation or circumstance that you might be navigating. So think about that this morning. How am I feeling about this new year? How is it starting out for me? And where might you be in need of strengthening? In what ways do you feel depleted? discouraged, or zapped of energy? And what would it look like for God to show up in this season and to strengthen your frame? Those are the questions we want to take into Ezekiel. I've got five headings in our reading for today. We're not going to look even at every verse that we just read with Sherry, but we'll cover the main themes across the passage. And I'd like to begin with an introduction. Let's meet Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet. A prophet is a common figure that we run into in the Old Testament. 
And it's someone simply that God used to speak to his people. So the prophet is a kind of mouthpiece for God to pass along a message to his people. So often the prophet prefaces his statement by saying, Thus says the Lord. This is what God has directed me to say to you. And yet Ezekiel was not just a prophet. He was also a priest. That was his job. The priests in the Bible were the ones who would tend to the tabernacle, or then it became the temple, and they would essentially mediate the relationship between the people and God, God and his people. And some of you, if you're from a Catholic background, that concept of a priest mediating this relationship might sound familiar. So the priest would offer sacrifices and lead in prayer and lead in the festivals, except there's one big problem at the time of Ezekiel. The people of Israel are not in Israel. They are a thousand miles away from home. There is no tabernacle. There is no temple. There are no sacrifices to make. It wasn't allowed. And that's a big difference between our time and theirs. You see, we can have a church pretty much anywhere, whether it's a building with a steeple or it's in a YMCA gym or it's a house church gathering in a living room. But the religious practice of God's people in the Old Testament, now that'll change in the New, but in the Old, was location-specific. It had to be the temple, which had to be in Jerusalem. So here's Ezekiel, a priest in exile, living during the greatest crisis in Israel's history. Okay, So if you ever feel overwhelmed by the state of the world that you and I are living in, take heart from Ezekiel. He is living through the greatest crisis in his nation's history. When he was 25 years old, Jerusalem was captured and destroyed by the Babylonians. Their beautiful capital city, for us, we imagine Washington, D.C., right? That's Jerusalem for them. Their beautiful temple built by Solomon, burned to the ground, reduced to rubble and ash. And then to really cripple the region, the Babylonians were known for this, they had this policy of forced resettlement. So it's harsh, but quite brilliant. Second Kings 24 tells us about what they did. It says, he, that's King Nebuchadnezzar, this is verse 14, Second Kings 24. He carried all Jerusalem into exile, all the officers and fighting men, and all the skilled workers and artisans, a total of 10,000. Only the poorest people of the land were left, is the report given to us. So we know a country cannot rebuild if you have removed all of its leaders and the next generation. And Ezekiel, training to be a priest, was one of those 10,000 leaders. Marched a thousand miles. I want to ask you, would you rather be in exile in New Mexico or Edmonton? Either one is a long ways away. And they had to go on foot. Forced resettlement. That's a long way to travel. And once Ezekiel arrived, what happens next? It's not written for us in the text explicitly, but he had to wait for five years. Wait for something to happen. Wait for God to speak. Look at the opening verse with me. See the time marker that's there. In my 30th year, Ezekiel says. He's now 30 years old. It's also the age When a priest would begin their service. We see that in the Mosaic Law. They served from 30 to 50. 20 year span. So at 25 he goes into exile. 
He's a priest in training. There's no temple in sight. And he waits five years for God to speak. And I wonder if some of you, as you have asked yourself this question this morning, how am I heading into 2022? How am I feeling about this year? If some of you are in a waiting season right now in your life, this can happen at any age too, by the way, where you might feel like there is something pretty big you're having to discern. And you don't know whether to go right or left. Are some of you waiting to hear the voice of God? Like Ezekiel, you might feel stuck in a place that you don't want to be. You didn't pick out the situation that you're in, but here you are. That's how Ezekiel's story begins. It says, In my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Kibar, sometimes, depending on the Bible that you have with you, spelled with a K, sometimes a C-H, it was a branch of the Euphrates. They think it may have actually been a canal, like a man-made branch of the Euphrates for irrigation. This is in modern-day Iraq. It's about 100 miles south of Baghdad. In fact, little Bible trivia fact, Saddam Hussein's summer palace was right in this region along the Kabar River. And there, after five years of waiting, the heavens were opened one day. I don't know, was it a Monday morning? Was it a Thursday evening? The heavens finally open, and Ezekiel is given these visions from God that make up much of this book. It says, the hand of the Lord was on him. Mark Rooker makes this observation. He says, in the land of exile, God tore the heavens open and invited Ezekiel to see his glory. Listen to this, which was the grounding of both Israel's judgment and hope. It is such an important statement to take in here at the beginning of our study. What is Ezekiel about? This big, confusing book of 48 chapters. In a nutshell, it's about judgment and hope. And of course, as we hear those words, the second one sounds really good. The first one, not so much. But that's what Ezekiel is about. It is telling us that these things both flow from the glory of God. So you cannot have hope without judgment. You wouldn't know what it is. And they flow from the glory of God. This book is going to tell us, here's who God is in all of his glory, and here's who we are, and we are in a mess. We need things sorted out in our life and around us. And here is the hope that we have when we allow God to fix it. That's the message of Ezekiel. In other words, Ezekiel is going to tell us, hey everybody, here's the bad news. Sin and judgment. But I want to tell you about the good news, that there is a gracious, loving God who has come to make a way for you. Now we're going to jump ahead to chapter 2. So we skipped a whole bunch of chapter 1, which I encourage you to read later today. It's this first vision of the book of Ezekiel. And it's the one where we get an old spiritual, an old song. And it's the song, Ezekiel Saw the Wheel. I don't know if you know this song. Ezekiel Saw the Wheel, way up in the middle of the air. Maybe we'll add that into the mix, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Good luck, Alicia. (laughs) 
So that's this old spiritual. Maybe just for fun, Google the Johnny Cash version. That's a favorite of mine. And that's where we get this. This is this fantastic vision of the glory of God that comes next that we're going to skip over, but I'm just going to summarize a little bit. It's this extraordinary vision with these images of four living creatures, these turning wheels way up in the middle of the air. The rims are covered with eyes. To us, it sounds really bizarre, but I want to tell you, if you were living in the ancient Near East, this imagery makes perfect sense. We know that from the archaeological digs in this part of the world from that time. This makes sense to them, this vision. Ezekiel is seeing the glory of God and it knocks him to the ground. But then in chapter 2, where we're going to skip ahead, God gives Ezekiel the Holy Spirit who strengthens him to stand back up. So number two, our second heading this morning, the Spirit came. The Spirit came. It is fascinating to see how the Holy Spirit pops up so often in the book of Ezekiel. We think Holy Spirit, we generally think New Testament. But this theme of the Holy Spirit is across 48 chapters, and it's going to set up our study of spiritual gifts that will begin in a couple of months. And yet we should remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is operating a little bit differently. The Holy Spirit is not given generally to all believers who are following after the Lord. That's what happens after Pentecost, is the truth for you and I in the church. But back then, the Holy Spirit would fill certain individuals for a certain time frame to complete a certain task. And here the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in Ezekiel. And we can look at it here in the passage, Ezekiel 2.1. He said to me, Son of man. Now before I keep reading, I highlighted that because we should point out something. The book of Daniel uses this term, the Son of Man, as a messianic title about Jesus. It's a prophecy about Jesus. Here in Ezekiel, you're going to see Son of Man come up again and again, and it's a much more mundane meaning. It simply means human nature, like Ezekiel, the guy next door. That's the sense in this book. And God says to him, Son of Man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke... The Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard Him speaking to me. One of the principles that we're going to see in this passage is that strengthening comes from the Holy Spirit. What happens as we enter chapter 2 is not Ezekiel gets handed an energy drink. He's at the gas station and gets a monster. It is not on his own strength. Ezekiel has nothing. He can't even get up to his own feet at the start of chapter 2. But he is raised to his feet by the Spirit of God. That is where his strengthening comes from. So my brothers and sisters, if you or I are saying this morning to that question, yes, I am in need of strengthening, we will need the Holy Spirit to supply it. You cannot drum up strength on your own. I was taken back to Psalm 40. U2 has a song of Psalm 40. And the words there are, He lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock, and He gave me a firm place to stand. Who does it? It's God. It's only God. And He does this by His Spirit. So perhaps you know that you need new strength But you recognize maybe this morning, 
Oh, I have been looking for it from the wrong sources. In the wrong places. That it's not going to come from me, this strengthening. In fact, it's not going to come from another relationship. Or this person getting things sorted out. It is not going to come from more sleep. Or a better diet. Or reduced stress. As good as those things are. Real spiritual breakthrough. Real lasting strength is going to come from the power of the living God. We heard it last week in Ephesians 3. I didn't make this connection until studying this week. And I thought, we just looked at this. Ephesians 3, standalone passage as we told the Y Church story last week. It says, I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you, Paul says, with power through His Spirit in your inner being. God will strengthen. And that's how he's going to do it. And Ezekiel is going to need this strengthening, not just to stand up, but now as we transition into number three, to deal with the world that he has been placed in, to deal with things as they are around him. And that's what follows next. It's the message that God speaks to Ezekiel about the state of his people, about the state of the world. It's not good news. Necessary to hear, but it's not necessarily easy to hear. So number three, our heading is a rebellious nation. A rebellious nation. Now before we read some of these verses, and we're just going to touch on them briefly. This is a bigger section that we won't go into. But let me preface it by saying that God here, if you're reading this in Hebrew as one of the original readers, he totally flips the language that he usually uses for the people of Israel. In their language, you had the people of Israel, there's one category, one word, and then you had everybody else, the nations. And in Hebrew, that word for the people, the people of God, was the Hebrew word am. And then when they talk about the other people, everybody else, the word was goyim. Goyim means the nations. And you might even recognize that. Yiddish still uses this term, goyim, and it is used in a derogatory way and came to be used that way back in Ezekiel's time. So as we read some of these words, and the opening words here for sure, God flips the language and he calls the Israelites goyim instead of am. Here it is, verse 3. He said, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation, Goyim, that has rebelled against me. Now we have to think about this carefully. I want to ask you what I think is an important question as we study the book of Ezekiel. Asking carefully, but pointedly, do we live in a rebellious nation too? And the reason I say we have to ask this carefully is because we are not the nation of Israel. In our Bible reading, we should always keep this in mind. We're going to read in the Old Testament and we see that there's a specific calling on Israel as God is bringing the gospel to the world. He chooses Israel for a specific reason and purpose. And so we can't just read Old Testament passages and then one for one equate America with Israel. It doesn't work that way. But... We as a country are still accountable before God and responsible for our spiritual health and our moral character. So, this is a rhetorical question this morning. 
But are we as a country pursuing the things of God? Or do you think we are a rebellious nation in need of correction? God says to Ezekiel, I'm sending you to a people who are obstinate and stubborn. They don't want to follow me. Even in exile, they are walking away from me. The word there, obstinate, literally means stiff of neck. Do you know anybody who's stiff-necked? And by the way, if you're thinking of your spouse, let me tell you about a marriage event coming up. (laughs) February 6th, get your tickets. God's telling Ezekiel, I'm sending you, but the people don't want to hear what you're going to tell them. Three times he tells Ezekiel, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Ezekiel. This is a tough task. Do not be afraid. I'm sending you out, he says, among briars and thorns, but don't be afraid. He says, and this is just my paraphrase, I'll give you the words to say, and whether they listen or refuse to listen, my word is true, no matter how it's received. Do you know that the truth of God is not subject to popular opinion? Isn't that a good thing? The truth of God is not subject to popular opinion. It just is. God says, people may listen or fail to listen. They have that choice. But you, Ezekiel, you, man or woman of God, here this morning, be faithful. And when we're introduced to this passage about a rebellious nation, Ezekiel then pairs it, really it's God through his mouthpiece, Ezekiel, pairs it with an image that is unforgettable. God says in verse 8, open your mouth and eat what I give you. Right? Ezekiel, be faithful. Don't be rebellious. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And what's given to Ezekiel? It is the word of God depicted as a scroll. And that brings us to number four. Number four, our heading this morning, is eat this book. Whether it is a scroll or a book, this image appears in three places in Scripture. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Revelation. And God says to each of these men, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and it's John in Revelation, eat what I speak. Eat this book. And I want you to see it now in our passage, the very last verse that we're looking at this morning, chapter 3, verse 3. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Now, honey was the sweetest treat that they knew in the ancient Near East in Bible times. If some of you have been to a Greek restaurant and never had baklava, it's the honey-sweetened dessert. I don't know if you like baklava, but they loved honey. Honey straight from the honeycomb was the best candy or sweet treat that you could have. And this image of eating God's word and his word tasting as sweet as honey is a recurrent theme in scripture. And just one other example I want to share with you would be Psalm 19. I'm going to read about four lines to you from that psalm. A beautiful description of this. Psalm 19. The decrees of the Lord, the word of the Lord is firm. All of his decrees are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. What was the most valuable metal? It was gold. 
And then they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, judgment, and in keeping them there is great reward, hope. If you are in need of strengthening, one of the key places that will happen is through the Bible. This is why we give Bibles to our students, as I shared with our high schoolers this morning. That's why we start with the beginner's Bible, and then third grade, and then the middle school Bible, and high school. We want to give the sweetest gift that there is to our kids. A gift that you are never too young for, that you can never outgrow, and that is the gift of God's Word. And if you are in need of strengthening, you cannot bypass this book. Eugene Peterson wrote a book called Eat This Book. And in it, he makes this point. I want to share this extended quote. He said, Christians feed on Scripture. Christians don't simply learn or study or use Scripture. We assimilate it, take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, Missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name. Hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. I cannot encourage you enough to eat this book and to learn how to self-feed. That's why our high school students bring their Bibles on Wednesday night. Because you can't just attend a church service or expect this to happen by osmosis. But we're invited to pick up the Bible at home and with our spouse and as a family and listen to it as we drive or wash the dishes. Do a Bible reading plan, as Michelle suggested in our announcements. It's worth it. And you will be strengthened even just by a few minutes there every day. That's where we close as I check the time. It really is the heading of our whole message series. Number five is that God will strengthen. And I want to close here this morning by telling you why this is the title of our study. I chose it as the title because it is the meaning of Ezekiel's very name. God will strengthen. You know, the other way it can be translated, God will toughen. Are some of you in the heat of battle right now? It's time to armor up. God will strengthen you. God will strengthen you. His name, Ezekiel's name, speaks this promise. His name tells you this morning at the start of 2022 that God sees you. He knows where you are. He knows the things that are messy in your life. He knows the heartache that you have. He knows that you might be stuck. And he says to you and I this morning that he will come and strengthen. I don't know how you're feeling about the start of 2022, but I can tell you assuredly from the word of God this morning how he feels about you. And it's good news. Let's pray. Lord, we receive this good news this morning. And may it taste sweet 
as we take it in. Lord, help us to put down our defenses where we maybe have felt or recognized that we are obstinate, stubborn, and stiff-necked. I pray, Lord, that you would remove any rebellious heart and that we would be soft-hearted to receive your word this morning. Lord, I know across this gym there are many of us who feel discouraged, depleted, just worn out, unsure about the prospects of this new year. And Lord, we take claim of this truth this morning that it is not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, that we will be strengthened. Lord, would you nourish us this morning? Even now, would we take in spiritual food from your hand? We receive it, Lord, out of your grace. We receive hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.